morning. Luke chapter 8. Please turn over there. Luke chapter 8 is where we will begin. Verse 1. Sometime afterward, he went on through the towns and villages, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also... Lost connection. Back on. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and disabilities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their own resources. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one town after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled on, and the wild birds devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rock. When it came up, it withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and they grew up with it and choked it. But other seed fell on good soil and grew up. It produced a hundred times as much grain. As he said this, he called out, The one who has ears to hear had better listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, you have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that although they may not see and although they may hear, they may not understand. Now, the parable means this. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, fall away. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, they are the ones who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the worries and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for the seed that landed on good soil, these are the ones who, after hearing the word, cling to it with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with steadfast endurance. As was mentioned earlier, my uh, title is Achieving a Fruitful End. Achieving a fruitful end. Now, Jesus here uh, is pivoting. We had the amazing story last week of Jesus at dinner with the sinful woman. And here in the beginning of chapter 8, once again, we have a little bit of context. As Jesus travels, Jesus is an itinerant preacher, which means he travels, right? He tells often the same stories, right? Growing up, I would... uh, I like to tell stories, if you've met me. I'm a storyteller. always liked it. And sometimes my stories would get a little, uh, you know, out of control. Exaggerated. 
But praise God that he gave me a little brother uh, who was there to just say, you know, liar. That's not how it happened. This is how it happened. He always does this. Ah, that's my John Mark impression, my brother. Um, but he, he was always there to kind of say, hey, he tells this story a lot. He kind of embellishes a little bit. What's cool about the Gospels is that we get stories. And sure, some have variations. But for the most part, this parable is, is in, actually, this parable is in all three, Mark, Matthew, Luke. They're all very, very similar. Very, very, very similar. It's a story that Jesus probably told quite often as he traveled through the towns and villages. But Luke gives us a little bit of background before he, tells the, before he has Jesus tell the parable. Is that Luke lets us know who was with Jesus as he traveled. He wasn't alone. We know about the twelve. We've already seen them. But we don't know about the women that were with him. There were apparently several women who accompanied Jesus on his mission. Uh, and they're all very different. Mary Magdalene, who was known for having a very severe uh, a disability of some kind. She had seven demons. Seven is a way, it's a Hebrew way of saying it was very severe, very intense. We don't know the nature of it. We don't know the nature of what her disability was, what, what her demon possession was. Um, it's probably likely that Mary didn't have much money, but it says that she provided for Jesus out of her means. We have Joanna, the wife of Cusa, part of Herod's household. That's a big deal. She's traveling here with Jesus. She's Obviously a woman of means. You know, Luke goes out of his way to tell us about how many people that become Christians that are actually people in positions of power with a lot of money, a lot of resources, um, and a lot of ability. Let's see if this this keeps... Okay. And so we have also Joanna. We don't know much about Joanna, um, but we know that these women here uh, are accompanying the mission of Jesus. And then we get the parable, the parable of the sower. I got a couple points this morning. One is depth. You know, I I have a a lot of hobbies, too many hobbies, probably. If you ask my uh, lovely wife, too many hobbies. But I uh, I really like drafts, like NFL draft, NBA draft. I love I love trying to predict who's going to be the. Who's going to be the one you look back on and you go, that one turned out to be a superstar. And it's funny when you get prepared for a draft, you listen up because you hear all the experts and they tell you who's going to be a sure thing. I suppose it's kind of like investing, right? This investment is a sure thing. No, nobody really knows when you're investing what's a sure thing and what's not. But everyone likes to pretend they do know. And even it's the same with the NFL and the NBA draft. Like this guy is going to be incredible. You know, this, 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 this athlete's going to make it. You know what I like to do is I like to go back to previous years and look at uh, how they graded the draft. And they'll grade a draft pick A+, and the guy never played more than a couple years. You know, the point is, is that I think we all, we all wish we could look into the seeds of time and know which will grow and which will not, right? right? But no one knows. And Jesus spends a lot of time in his ministry talking about the reality, the possibility, the probability of short-term faith. Jesus knows that people will fall away. In fact, I mean, I don't think the parable is meant to be taken literally, but of the four, three fall away. 75% of the seeds, right? That seed that is sown must germinate, and it must take root, and it must have depth, and it must grow, and it must make it to the end. 
if it is to be saved. And Jesus knows this. Jesus doesn't, doesn't just say, all right, just believe in me. Now let's all go to heaven. No, he says, no, this is going to be really, really hard. There's going to be thorns and there's going to be rocks and there's going to be times of testing. And a lot of you will not make it. I want you to know that because, oh, let's be real, we've got to modify our expectations constantly. Humans are constantly frustrated because we're like, man, we complain a lot. We're really good complainers. And most of the time we complain because things didn't go the way we thought they would. This doesn't match my expectation. So expectations are important and Jesus is constantly trying to help people understand it's going to be hard. Right? The guy or the, the gal entering into a uh, triathlon, one thinking it's going to be really tough, the other thinking this will be a breeze. They're going to have a different experience in the triathlon. Like, expectations matter. They matter in everything, really. And Jesus goes on to try to help the people understand it's going to be a lot thrown at you. It's going to be tough. I'm glad you're with me. But here, it's kind of like a sower. Just throwing seed everywhere. You know, for a long time, I uh, called this the parable of the stupid farmer because <laughs> farmers don't really do this. They don't just throw seed. <laughs> Woo! You know, like... They don't just bounce, bounce it everywhere. But I'm, I was, I think I was wrong. I, I was doing some research. This guy, Jeremiah, in like 500 AD, talks about how there was a, an ancient Middle Eastern sowing practice where they would, they would sow the seed first and then plow, which is actually reverse the way most people do it. So it was common to actually just whoosh, throw it and then plow later. So that seed really is. So maybe I should apologize to the farmer. Maybe he's smarter than we thought. The parable of the uh, contextually appropriate farmer here. But he's throwing seed everywhere. He's bouncing, he's bouncing. There's some that lands along the path. And the disciples don't get it. We almost never actually get like the behind the scenes making of a parable. Like the, the DVD that like talks to the director about like, what was going on here? We get the behind the scenes uh, uh, shot here of this parable. Jesus is like, all right, come on in. Let me walk you through what this one means. The first one is the seed sown among the path. It's interesting that Luke draws a distinction here between hearing, between hearing and believing. Right. Hearing is not the same thing as believing. There's something, there's something deeper with belief. We're really hamstrung in our English language with the word belief because too often it's just this intellectual assent. But the word in Greek, pistis, pistis meant trust, meant deep trust. So using the word trust, I think, benefits us more in our language. But you can, you can hear something, but it doesn't mean you trust it. Actually, that kind of describes everything in our life right now, right? You can hear something, it doesn't mean you trust it, <laughs> right? You can hear that person say, I don't, I don't know if I'm trying to trust that. But there's a difference between the two. And Luke is saying, listen, you got to have depth. you got to have depth. I assume that most of you here today are not the seeds sown among, sown among the path. Praise God. I hope not. Most of us here today, I think, are probably one of the last three. That one's snatched up, right? And it never gets a chance. I mean, if you ever share your faith, cold contact, you experience the seeds sown among the path often. Just never gets a chance, right? Go share your faith at UVA for a bit. Just never, never gets off the ground. Some of them, right? But there's seed that lands among the rocks, the seed lands among the rocks. And this one, 
receives the word with joy. But it has no root. Once again, it's a sad parable. It's a depressing parable. I can't read this parable without thinking of names. I can't do it. I think about the one who received it with joy. And I thought, man, he had such joy. Gone, right? Just blocked. Text blocked, right? Just blocked on social. Never talked. Never even got like a, like I thought we were friends. Like it's one thing to be like, never talking to you again because I disagree with, we have different religious views, but to just, to cut off the friendship hurts. Yeah. And I think about names and I think, I think we, you know, hearing is not, not enough for true trust. Yeah. Right. You know what else is not enough though? It's good, but it's not enough is joy. Right. Joy is good, but it's not enough. We can't be satisfied with joy to make it through life. Because Joy doesn't like to hang out that long. (laughs) Joy's got other places to go. And so we can't just rely on Joy. And Joy is great for the first few months. Maybe you move to a new church. Maybe you get baptized. And that Joy can sustain you for a few months. But eventually you've got to get deeper than that. You've got to get depth. You know, we look at this picture. You know, roots, plants, trees, they need roots. They need deep roots. They need help even, even when they have roots, they need help sometimes. You ever gone to that Wegmans? This is our only Wegmans. You've gone to the Wegmans and you drive by those hundreds of trees that are getting a tree, uh, they have tree stakes. And the trees aren't growing yet. I think it's because Wegmans had to agree to transplant all, these, all the woods they destroyed as uh, they were bringing us uh, you know, commercial opportunities. But uh, so they replanted the trees. To, to, and, and, but you see all these tree stakes. Because the tree, even though it's been transplanted and it has a root, that root still isn't enough. You got to stake it up. And then you got to leave it for a few years. And then maybe after a while, you can remove the stake. Bottom line is, we need a lot of help. We need a lot of help. And it is a mistake to think that just because somebody hears the word and has joy, they're going to be fine. It's a mistake to think that just because we hear the word and we can have joy sometimes that we're going to be fine. We've got to listen. We've got to listen and get deep. We've got to, we've got to dig deep because times of testing will come. They will come. And amen, there will be times we rise up through the testing. We're in the middle of a test right now. How many people are not going to come back through those doors when we open up again? How many people? 20%, 30%, 50% people in this room. We can't just think that it's, it's going to be fine. We can shut the doors and it will be okay. We've got to continue to take Jesus' word seriously. Jesus was constantly talking about the short-term possibility of faith, not because of anything else, but that he cares. He knows it's going to be hard. Right. I don't have kids. Hopefully uh, uh, one pops up here soon in May. Uh, but uh, I imagine that for 18 years, you're really just trying to prepare them. It's going to be hard out there. It's going to be rough. It's going to fall on the ground. Scrape. It's going to scrape your knee. It's like, well, you're going to get your knee scraped out there too. You know, it's hard out there. You know, like, come on. Like you're trying to prepare those kids to be ready. You don't want them to go into the world like as a bubble boy, right? Or a bubble girl. Like, you know, I have no idea it was this hard. You want them to be prepared. And Jesus wants us to be prepared. Point number one is we've got to have depth. And it's easy right now. It's so easy right now, and I'm doing it myself sometimes too. Shame on me. Is to be shallow, Drew. Just shallow in my relationships. 
So we have less interactions. So you really have to be uh, uh, intentional about being deep. You really do. I love what the Balsh has shared about the six-pack. It's wonderful. We've been able to kind of uh, be inspired by their example. We hope to have a six-pack of our own one day, you know. Um, <laughs> take that out of context, that could be bad. So we'll um, edit that later for content. But um, we hope to, have, we hope, to have, have those relationships. But it sounds like those relationships didn't happen no. right overnight. They didn't happen. They happened with a lot of deep discussion. A lot of deep discussion that took hours sometimes. Hours. And so I want to encourage us to remember we need to be deep. We need to be deep. And a lot of us, and I've done this recently, just, just been bottling up a lot. Yeah. Just bottling up a lot. And then you talk to somebody, God forbid somebody asks you how you're doing. And then it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like anger, frustration, unmet expectations, fear, insecurity. But it's just, whoosh, and it comes out often in bitterness or frustration or unkindness. And I was doing this recently. I was kind of, I was vomiting with, with my confession onto, you know, Will and Tasha Archer recently. And, and Will's like, when's the last time you wrote these things down for God, to God? I said, man, too long, too long. You know, we, we, we all feel so much in the course of a day, course of a, of, of a week. I want to encourage us to take the time to go deep with God, go deep with each other. But don't, don't be fooled by this time. Don't be fooled. We're in the middle of a test. And we've got to continue to dig deep. And praise God, all that really means. It's all we really want anyway, right? Doesn't that what every, any person ever who walks through those doors, they want deep relationships. Sometimes even more than God, to be honest. So we all want deep relationships. We all want it. I just want to encourage us. I think Jesus wants us to know, don't sleep on this, guys. Don't sleep on this. Be aware that this is going to be able to sustain you. All that you get, all the help you need. Get the root. Get the stake. Get the protection. Get all the help you can. Because we don't know what's coming. And we, we would like to think. Optimism, right? 2021 is going to be so much better. I don't know. You don't know either. No one knows. I'm not going to invest anymore. No one knows. No more investing. Who knows what's going to happen? Stock's going to crash. Oh, man. No one knows. So we got to prepare. Prepare, 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 prepare. Not prepare by isolating, like the world would say. Prepare by actually connecting. Connecting, connecting. Can you imagine how strong the church will be? Come back, the doors open up. I don't know when. Doors open up, church comes. I say church come back. Church never left, but you know what I mean. We start doing things as normal. Can you imagine how much deeper we'll all be if we all made this a conviction? To make those phone calls now, to keep people in our mindset now. To go for it now. There are people out there who are, who are deeply, deeply hurting. I am proud of the church. For, for The church has been incredibly connected over the last eight months. Really, really awesome job. I mean... For the most part, it's, I talk to other churches and they go, man, like our numbers, people viewing, you know, like on YouTube, whatever, our church service and from Easter till now are just shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And, and amen, I know it's hard. I want to encourage us. You know, for the most part, we've, we've stayed level. That's good. But, you know, level's okay. But there's still people out there. We want to be able to do more than that. People have been connected, but we want to grow. Right. We don't want to get busy dying. We want to get busy living. Because we know that at any second that could change. Okay, next point. Not just about depth. It's about direction. This is a poor, look at that poor tree. 
just growing up. You ever feel like that? <laughs> That's your life a little bit. Like, man, it's out, out, out. You know, it's like just thorns. This is the big one. This is the big kahuna, thorns. You guys thought rocks was tough. Rocks got nothing on thorns. Thorns is the big bad kahuna here. Luke even gets a little specific with thorns. He's like, let me throw a couple specific words at you, right? He says, he says watch out because the thorns are anxiety or worry, depending on how your version translates it. The, 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 the thorns are material possession. I love Luke. You know why I love Luke? Because Luke is direct. You know, most of the Bible, uh, Paul talks about the, the love of the love of wealth is the root of right of evil. And a lot of people say, well, it's not actually wealth. It's the love of wealth. Luke doesn't do that. <laughs> Luke's like, no, no, it's wealth, man. It's material possession. And we got to be able to help each other with our material possessions if we're going to be like Christ. So anyway, i got a little bit side note with Luke. We're going to hear a lot more coming in the rest of his book. He's not pulling any punches when it comes to economic resources and our responsibility with them. But for now, just a little bit of a teaser. Thirdly, pleasure. Right. These things, they come and choke us. The crazy thing about thorns is that the root isn't a problem. Yeah. The thorns have roots. A lot of times we read this parable, we go, have a root, that's it. No, 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 that's not, that's not enough either. The root is good. You can still be choked over time. Right. There's the flash in the pan, rocks. Man, that brother was here last week. He's gone. What happened? There's the thorns, the scary one. The C.S. Lewis, 1% poison over time, right? Slowly, 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 slowly. Then one day, years later, we're poisoning ourselves with, 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 with all these things, anxiety, material possession, pleasure. And like Mark said, sometimes we don't invite those things into our heart. Sometimes we do invite those things into our heart. And these things run deep. They're so deep. I'm excited about the future of God's kingdom in my generation because my generation, I think, is learning to express themselves in ways that other generations did not learn. A pain that was always there, I'm sure, maybe just manifested itself in ulcers or something, um, <laughs> is manifesting itself in ways now where we are expressing the spiritual, emotional, communal, social pain is in our, in our lives and in our hearts. But that pain is, 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 is sin. That pain is, is the same sin that caused Adam to fall. And I'm excited because we're, we're able to recognize it but it's, it's still a poison. And it's not bad to confess it. All, a lot of us feel, experience these things. But I think sometimes we can normalize it. Yeah. Our society normalizes these things like crazy. Our society puts an enormous pressure on number three. Yeah. Enormous pressure. You are only, your identity is consummate to your ability to fulfill your, your particular pleasure. Our society is obsessed. Puts an enormous pressure on sexuality, on sex, on attraction, on the physical. To the point where we don't even know how we view the world. It's through that lens of, of pleasure and sex and hedonism. And you can't be happy unless you have certain pleasures. And we're coming into a part of the year where that is numbered one through five. <laughs> right? And our kids show it. Our kids are wonderful because they're really just us without, with less dressing. Right? <laughs> Our kids are like, I need this thing for Christmas or I'm going to die. And we're like, you're not going to die. You don't need it, right? Some of us, we want to we make our kids happy, but we also know that that toy won't make them happy. 
they'll want a new one in whatever month or whatever hour later that day. Yeah. My nieces are great. They'll be like, we need this thing. It was like, a couple years ago, it was an egg that you rub and the egg gives birth. And then, uh, and I'm like, what do you do with it once it gives birth? Like, oh, nothing. I don't know. It just gives birth. So like we get the egg for the girls. We rub it for like eight minutes. So like if it gives birth, it cracks up and then they, then they leave. And I said, well, wait, this, is the, this was the premier gift of the year. Where are you going? They're like, that's it. I don't know. That's, I mean, we'll come, we'll come back to it. I don't know. But it's like this thing that I thought would make you happy. I don't, I don't, doesn't seem like it's delivering on this happiness front. And these things, they run so deep in us to where we get so dramatic about them. Just like kids, like I need this thing to be happy. I need it. Could be something big like politics or economics. It could be something big like success, this job. It could be something like a, a relationship. It could be little and inconsequential, like just this little small thing that you feel like you need, this TV show, to watch it alone or to have your own me time. Whatever it is, these things are so scary because they're strong enough to destroy a plant with a good root. You can have an incredible root system and still be upended by these guys. That is scary. And if you're having trouble getting deep to point number one, talk about these three things. Any of them. Any of them. And I want to encourage you. You might think, oh, material possession. I'm super wealthy. I guess, I guess there's no place for me in the kingdom of God. Of course not, right? Of course not. Luke. Luke is wonderful with this. Sure, he's got really strong convictions about uh, priorities when it comes to our wealth. You know, Luke's, Luke's, and I think it's good for us because too often with wealth, we're like, it's about what's in your heart. No, no, Luke's like, no, no. What's in your heart don't matter at all unless it gives fruit to something that you do. You got to use your wealth, use your resources. And that's why I think Luke begins this section with a really random placement of who Jesus is traveling with. Jesus is walking around with a prostitute, Mary Magdalene, by the way, not great for your reputation. Like the rabbi's like best friend is a prostitute, like walking around providing. It doesn't look good, right? Jesus is like, I don't care. She's part of the group. Jesus is bringing in Mary. That's that's incredible. I mean, it connects to our point last week about the sinful woman. But even more than that, He's got, uh, he's got Joanna, right? He's got these other women, Susanna, who one of them is a manager in Herod's household. She's a big deal. She has resources. Yeah. But what, is, what, is, what does Luke say? Uh, oops, that's not right. That's not right. There it is. This one's right. <laughs> these women provided for them out of their own means. That is awesome. These women... And, I, and we, look at, we look at the last one. We say, Drew, you can't stop on thorns. Come on, give me the fourth one. Give me good soil. I think Luke has already given us the good soil. He says, this is, this is it here, guys. They're grateful women from, from rich to poor, prostitute to, right, a, a, like a royal, like she's, you know, she's part of the king's household. She's without a stain or wrinkle. They all provided for Jesus out of their own means, their own resources. This parable is all about one thing. It's about making it to the end, producing a good fruit, that faith can be short-term. 
And that we have to be aware of that. So what's the secret? What is it? What do we do? Okay, depth, direction. Direction basically meaning like we got to know where we're growing, right? Which way are we growing? How are we growing? Because we could be growing, but in the wrong direction toward anxiety and material possession and pleasure. Which way are we going? But what is the big secret? And for Luke, it was simple. Do it. Faith is not faith unless it is acted upon. And these women did it. We are at most risk of dying when we're sitting at home doing nothing. When's the last, what's the last spiritual adventure you went on? What's the last spiritual battle that you engaged in? When you're not serving the poor actively, when you're not bringing, see it with kids, the best thing to do for kids. I was talking to the Pearsons about this earlier. I was like, who gave you this advice? They said, so many people gave us this advice. The best thing you can do for your kids spiritually is to have them serve with you. And I, I'm a testament to that because I don't remember a lot growing up. It's kind of a blur. But I do remember, I do remember serving. I remember going to downtown Los Angeles and giving Christmas presents. I was scared. I was scared. It wasn't a community I'd been to before. My dad said, come on in. We're going to go into the house. I said, we're going to go in the house? Inside? I was scared. I was a little kid. Dad said, yes, we're going to meet them. We're going to get to know them. We're going to bring them gifts. That's why we're here. I remember that. I remember the bravery. I remember the courage. I remember like, is it, how is it this important? I remember going door to door with Hope Worldwide, asking for yeah. people for immunizations. Yeah, I remember once again, I think the reason I remember it as a kid is because I was afraid. Yeah. I was scared. Like, Dad, we're going to knock on strangers' doors? Even as a little kid, you're like, yeah, not for me, you know? I'm going to go play video games or, or drink a case of Mountain Dew. I've got other things to do, Dad, okay? But you, you got to, faith has to be real. We have to put it into practice. And I think the reason that our current 2020 test is so, so uh, potentially harmful is because it, it sidelines, or at least it, it risks sidelining so many of us spiritually. We're not in Bible studies with seekers like we once were. We're not serving like we once were. We're not initiating community like we once were. And then we get inward focused. We start looking at ourselves. And when, when we have time, we're already critical and good at complaining. We're giving us more time to focus on our own inadequacies and fears and insecurities. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And it's just, this is a real time when we have to be able to see through the lies of the world. I'm not saying that COVID's not real. I'm not saying do it. I'm saying that we got to make effort. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do. You can give a meal to a homeless person. I'm pretty sure you can do that. Yeah. Or drop it off or build a contraption to a big board and hand it off. I don't know. There's things to do. You can love people this week. There's a lot of people with no Thanksgiving plans this week in this church. They got nothing. They're just going to be sitting around. Have you thought about them? Calling them, loving them. A phone call is not COVID risky, right? You can do that. Uh, uh, making letters, right? Writing cards to people for your neighbors. Giving gifts to your neighbors. Maybe neighbors you don't know before. We've got to get back in the game because it's not, it's not about production. It's not about production. One of the amazing differences between Luke's parable here and the way that Matthew tells it as Matthew says, if you're the good soil, you'll bear 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Luke doesn't say that. Luke says, you'll be good soil. 
Which for me, and I think both, you know, I'm sure Jesus said both at different times, but I think that the issue is for Luke, he wants, us to, wants to encourage us, don't worry about the, what was produced. Don't worry about 30, 60, 100. Which one am I? Am I 30 and you're 60? It's not fair. Right? Like, which one? Just don't worry about that. Depth, direction, serve. And you think, I don't have anything. You think Mary Magdalene had something? What did she give? She's named first. First. Before the rich lady. <laughs> she's named first. She, I don't know what she, she probably had nothing. To, but she's like, oh, these women served Jesus. Number one, the prostitute. She was, I mean, this, she was a huge deal. Right. We all have something to give to Jesus. Yeah. We all have something to give to Jesus. You know, at the end of the tale of two cities, uh, there's basically, I'll give you a little background. There's basically two men, they love the same woman. Like every movie ever, right? Two men love the same woman, uh, Darnay and then uh, Sydney. And so ends up that Darnay, I'll just call him person one. Person one, first guy, he actually gets the girl. They have a family. He ends up going to prison it's during the French Revolution. And because of what his parents did, he's chalked up for crimes. He's going to be, you know, the guillotine chops off your head. He, he's going to be killed because of what his parents, what his family did. So he's in prison. The other guy who didn't get, this is his enemy, person two. The other guy didn't get the girl. His, his whole life, he's had nothing. And he says, I've had no meaning in my life up to this point. He hears about this. Him and, and, and the other guy look similar. And so he come, comes up with a way, and it's, it's revolution. No one really cares. They just want dead people, right? So he's like, you know what? I'm going to trade places with him. Wow. So in the middle of the night, goes to the prison, gets him out of there, Trades places, trades clothes. The woman that is in the cell, and no one, no, guards don't recognize him, but as he's walking to the guillotine, the woman who he's been in the cell with realizes that it's not him and realizes what's going on. And she puts it together here at the end of the book. She says to him, are you dying for him? She whispered. And his wife and child, hush, yes. Oh, will you let me hold your brave hand, stranger? Hush, yes, my poor sister. To the last. And it's amazing because she's unable to carry on because she doesn't have the courage to go to the, to go to the guillotine. She sees somebody else's courage to live a life of selflessness. And she's like, if I can just hold your hand, I'll go with you. And she's able to go through with, with dying simply because she's near somebody who has that courage. And I, want to, and I think about with us, with this, and we think about, can we make it? Will we make it? Are we the good soil? We can worry about it, worry about it. Don't worry about being the good soil. Don't worry about being one of the NBA draft picks who is a superstar. Don't worry about delivering. All that matters is we're like the woman. We already have someone who's gone first and lived a selfless life of service. We have someone who's gone first and done everything for other people. We have someone who's gone first and though he didn't sin, he was killed for what he believed and what he did. All we have to do is be near him. And just like those trees out of Wegmans that need those stakes, they need help for a while. We always need those stakes. Those have been there for years, but maybe the trees will always need them. We always need that, rem- that remaining support. We always need Jesus. And if we can just, we can just be near him, we can just be near him. You'll serve. You'll bring your kids with you. You'll pull them away from the computer and say, hey, we're going to go serve. 
You'll, you'll love. You'll make phone calls this week because there's people on your heart. I know there are. You're thinking of them right now. You're going, I need to call her. I need to call her. I need to send an email to him. I need to follow up. She's been having a hard time. You already know God has put on your heart what to do. But I want to encourage us that if we, if, if, if we all can just grab hold of Jesus and we all together can walk through life with the same courage, the same selflessness, and the same sacrifice. I'm going to go ahead and say a prayer. And we'll close out our service with a Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.